come to praise you. I've come to lift you up. I've come to magnify, bless your holy name. I've come to praise you. I've come to lift you up. I've come to magnify, bless your holy name. I've come to lift you up. I've come to lift you up. I've come to lift you up. Touch and bless our off this offering in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. Ushers, please collect the offering. Help me welcome bro J brother James the pulpit. 
Praise the Lord, everybody. Sister Harley's going back to fix the music real quick. But let's let's go ahead and praise. Let's let's lift our hands. Let's stand up. I'm going to pray that we will uh, will anoint this offering, Lord God, help it to be able to be used for God's purpose. Lord Jesus, will you guys pray with me? Lord Jesus, bless this offering, God. I pray that you will do whatever it is you have to do with it, God. I pray that you will multiply it, help it to be used for your intended purpose, Lord God. We thank the givers, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can come up and give your offering. We're going to go ahead and just come up uh, slowly one at a time and then go back to your seat if you can. Didn't Brother Noah do an awesome job coming up here real quick? I bet. I was talking to Wes before service, and he said, why don't we have Brother Noah get up there and say something? And I said, you think, you think he could handle it? And he said, man, I was preaching when I was his age. So I said, you know what? That's a good idea. I think, I think Noah could do it. And when we, we pulled him aside in the room and asked him if he would welcome service, he, he had his mask on, and uh, Brother Wes was like, are you smiling? And pulled down his mask, and he had a big smile. So we're... We're glad that we got to use him a little bit. I'm going to real fast do a message for you guys before we get Brother West up here also. If you guys can stand to go to 1 Corinthians 13 and 1 for me. We're going to read to verse 3. I'm going to say what Pastor Julie says if you are, if you, if you're, Stan, if you've got your, uh, if you got your Bible and if you're cheating off the screen, we're just glad you're here. Brother Gabe's got that memorized. Every time we have service and back in the back, he, he makes sure to say that too. Verse 1 says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have, sorry, and have, uh, and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. You can be seated, guys. Paul wrote this passage to the church in Corinth because he noticed several things were wrong with the church after he founded the church. If you look into the history, he noticed that people were fighting. Imagine that. People were fighting inside the church instead of getting along and doing the works he wanted them to do. Believe it or not, he had to make sure that people, when they worked together, wouldn't fight. Anyone that has been around any amount of people, just humans in general, know we are prone to fighting. We can't, we can't agree on a president. We can't agree on music. We can't even agree with a, a news station to believe. But humans are prone to fight inside the church also. All along the while, 
We have people that are falling away, lost, and are dying out in the world. We're in here fighting. If you ask any of the people in the youth group or any of the people that have been with us while we went camping and had, uh, had fun out in the campgrounds, you'll, you'll know of the game called Mafia. Has anybody here ever seen us play Mafia? Well, there's a really, there's a really uh, famous game that's going around right now, and I don't want to be campy and, and, uh, and, and cheesy, but there's a really famous game that kind of steals the idea of Mafia that's going around, and it's called Among Us, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of talk about how among us, we have fake Christians walking around today. Uh, the infighting of people is where the famous video game Among Us got famous. It plays on our intent to not believe people. It encourages us to think that people are out to get us. The concept of this game is simple. A group of people work on tasks. One person is an imposter and trying to stop people from making progress. This person has to pretend like they are one of everyone else. Has anyone ever felt like an imposter in church? Because I know I have. And I'm, not, I'm, I'm preaching it myself just as much as anybody else. Like you're just kind of going through the motions, pretending like everything's okay. Because, and it's not because I want to actually make a difference, but it's because I don't want Brother West to see that there's something wrong with me. I'm, I'm come up and I, I pray at the altar, but I go back to my pew and I don't do anything different when I go home. I'm the exact same way. You feel like what you're doing is what you're supposed to do, but you're just not getting anywhere. Paul, who also wrote that letter we read at the opening, he, uh, he wrote in Romans, and I got this from a message that Brother Ty taught one, a, a couple weeks back. It says in Romans 7 and 21, it says, I find then a law that when I do good, evil is present with me. Even Paul understood that everyone here at one time or another has spent an amount of time pretending to be someone they're not. I'm certain it's possible there are people here, even some of the adults, that have pretended to be happy in church by working or to be busy doing other things in church. You don't want anyone to suspect you might be doing something not right. Revelation 2 and 2, not to get all uh, into the world with you, but Revelation 2 and 2 really struck a chord with me when I read it. It says, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou canst... Thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne and hast, and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Now I have this in my notes under the message version. You'll have to forgive me, but it's, it's really powerful when you read it. It says this, I see what you've done, your hard, hard work, your refusal to quit, I know you can't stomach evil, that you weed out our, op, our apostolic pretenders. I know your persistence, your courage in my cause, that you never wear out. But you walked away from your first love. Why? What's going on with you anyway? Jesus says to the church in Ephesus, but I have this against you, that you left your first love. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean that it's the the the... The first, or the, the, the first thing you had. A lot of people preach this, and it does kind of mean this, but it's, it's, it's got a different meaning too. It doesn't just mean how you felt when you first got in church. The word that they use is protos um, here in this verse, and it means first in time or place, first in rank, first at the first. So when Jesus said you have left your first love, he means that he has lost the position of being in first place in someone's life. He no longer has the first rank of, of things that take priority in your life. So if you've ever been to the point where you're coming to church 
and you're doing things, but you just you just seem too busy to do anything of, of any kind of quality. You, you don't have time to pray, but you got time to be here and help with peanut brittle. You don't got time to do this and that, and don't, don't confuse. I'm not saying we shouldn't be volunteering, but if you're, yeah, but if you're too busy doing anything that you forgot the reason why you're doing it, you've lost your first love. In, in our opening text, Paul mentioned that everything we do, if we don't do it with love, then it's worthless. You can give everything you have to the poor. I could go out to downtown Muncie and give my entire paycheck to some guy that's living on the streets. But if I don't love him, then I might as well just been at home watching TV, eating a, eating a popsicle or something. It was just all pointless if I didn't actually love the person. And I'm not, I'm not preaching to you because I want, like I said, because I want you to give up volunteering. I'm trying to reach out to you if you're that person that is giving and giving and giving, but you just don't feel like it's going anywhere in your life. You see, every once in a while, and I'm sure Pastor Wes and even Pastor Adam could, could attest that every once in a while we may feel like we pretend to be something we're not. This is the reason why we have other people. So if, if you're one of our youth or you've ever played mafia, you, you know that you kind of have to rely on other people to, to you have to watch people and see when they're acting differently and, and know if Brother Wes is still around after the first round, he's obviously got to be mafia. It, you, you see that if someone's acting differently, then in, in some situations, there's something wrong. James 2 and 14, it's my last verse, says, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto him, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, not, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, and do it. what doeth it profit? Even so, faith, if hath not works, is dead being alone. So like I said about the homeless guy out in the streets, if I go up to him and say, man, I'm praying for you, and I walk away and never think about him again in the rest of my life, I've not done anything for him. So you've got to have love for him, but you also have to have acts for them. So if we, if we see someone in the church struggling, and we simply just sit and watch or offer our thoughts and prayers, what does it do good for? I'm not saying prayer is not important, but I'm saying if we really want to help people, I think we should step in. I asked the youth on Sunday, uh, what's one way that we could help somebody that's in this situation where they're just kind of pretending uh, the way they feel and they don't really seem like they're doing it? I had, I had some great answers, but they all, kind of, they all kind of came down to the same basic idea, and it was to be there for them. It was to be a listening ear, to reach out. Don't text them and say, hey, you're a sinner and you're going to hell. It was reach out to them and say, hey, can we meet up and go have dinner or something? Or, hey, are you struggling? Are you having some kind of issue with depression? Let, let's, let's just, I'll just meet up with you and you can just talk to me. I don't want to give you any kind of clairvoyant uh, 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 thing to do. I just want you to, to feel like I love you and to love them wholeheartedly, not just half-heartedly. And lastly... I said it was my last verse, but I got one more. Proverbs 15 and 22. If we find ourselves in this situation, if, if, if you or I are in this situation, there's one important thing we got to do, and that's what I'm also reaching out to you if you're in this situation. you got to ask for help. Proverbs 15 and 22. It says, without advice, plans go wrong, but with many advisors, they succeed. And I, I, I brought this verse out because I wanted to talk about Many of you know the transition at work that I've taken over uh, Brother Ty's job since Brother Ty went to go work at, with Brother Wes and all the rich people. So 
I got, I, got his, I got his old job, and one of the things he told me was the, the old IT director told him before he left, and it, was, it really stuck with me, and I wanted to, to reach out about this too. It says, or he, he told me, don't be afraid to ask for help because sometimes you're not going to know everything to do. Sometimes you're not going to know what to do, and you're, not, you're just going to be confused, and if you don't ask for help, you're going to make a worse mess of it. So you need to reach out. And, and ask for help. That's with real life, and that's with our Christian lives, too. If you find yourself where you don't feel like you're doing anything that's, that's really moving anything, or ha if you feel like you're kind of in a rut, ask for help. Reach out and say, I, I need help. There's something not right. Even if you think everything's right or you're trying to make people think that everything's right. I, uh, I, I want the worship team to come back up. We're going to do a couple more songs. But I really want you guys to, to stand with me and lift your hands, and I hope you guys will we'll understand what I'm trying to say, that if, if, if we're just faking what we're doing, there's something not right. And we need to check ourselves and make sure that we're, we're being real Christians and not just fake ones. In the land that is plentiful, where your streams of abundance flow, blessed be your name. And blessed be your name, when I'm found in the desert place, though I walk through the wilderness, blessed be your name. Every On the road marked with suffering, though there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. Sing every blessing. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise.
it's unthinkable, but I still believe, hallelujah, it's unthinkable, but I still to the youngest. Can we lift our hands to heaven? Come on, children. Will you lift your hands to heaven with mom and dad? Come on, our teenagers, our young people, if you just lift your hands from heaven, and I just want you to say thank you, Jesus. Come on, we don't have to have perfect words. We don't have to memorize certain things being young. Come on, but all Jesus wants is to hear from us. So come on, young people, won't you just let Jesus know I love you, Jesus. God, I thank you, Lord Jesus. God, I praise you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for the cross. Come on, we know he died on the cross for us. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sins, Jesus. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the blood that was shed on Calvary. Lord, we love you. Amen. Quick, clap our hands to heaven right now. Come on, clap your hands to heaven. It's okay to make noise in church. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. For your seat, if you're 18 years or younger, let me hear you. If you're 19 years or older, let me hear you. Oh, listen, young people, hold on. This is a youth service. If you're 18 years or younger, ready? Let me hear you. You got those sopranos on their side. If you're 19 years old and older, let me hear you. I don't know about this. I think young people, before the end of the night, you better be louder than the adults here. Pastor Adam says all the time, you're at a football game or a basketball game, and they hit a three-point buzzer beater, you're going to shout. Jesus is in the house and die for your sins. 
There we go. I think it's all right to shout tonight. I think it's all right to have fun in church. Amen. If you're from zero and up, can you make some noise in this place? There we go. We're going to have a good time tonight. Amen. All together, come together for full youth service. And I know we're kind of focused on our young people, but something great happens when one generation supports the next generation. When the younger generation supports the older generation and the older generation supports the younger generation, we'll just have church. Amen. That's what we come to do tonight. Amen. Amen. Didn't Brother Noah do a great job tonight? Amen. So proud of him. Praise and worship team did a great job. Proud of those stepping out of their comfort zone. And Brother James, amen, he did a great job. I love Brother James, his honesty. But listen, one thing, one critique I have for Brother James, and as, as you do pulpit ministry, you have to remember who has the mic after you. First rule, if you're going to say stuff, make sure that you know who has the microphone after you. We're going to have some fun, Brother James. Amen. Amen. It's so good to see all the smiles. There's a lot of smiles in this house today. How many enjoyed school? A couple of us, okay. I saw more adults raise their hand, and I said, saw kids raise their hand. Mom and dad's ready to get those kids back to school. Amen. Mark chapter 5, verses 25 through 34. I love and appreciate our young people. I love and appreciate our ministry teams, our Sunday school teachers. Man, I'm going to tell you what. Uh, I remember and have so many fond memories of being a young person. And, and I remember uh, one of the first times I showed this, not too long ago, but uh, being in Sunday school class and running out to mom and dad and saying, I, I cried in Sunday school class and we prayed. I remember that. I, I remember uh, full youth nights and, and prayers. Uh, when, when Pastor and Bishop, they called uh, every night prayer service, and they stuck the young people with Saturday night. I thought, boy, nobody's going to come out. And, man, we filled this place up and, there was two times that we were supposed to go to the bowling alley, and we never made it to the bowling alley. Man, it doesn't matter how old you are. When you want Jesus to move, Jesus is going to move. And I'm so very proud of our young people, especially the last few services, watching them praying for each other, watching them worship, watching them lifting their hands unashamed. It's beautiful. And there's been multiple times I've been catching myself, kind of tearing up, watching them, just thinking, man, they get it. They get it. And I love worship. Mark chapter 5, 20, uh, five verses 25 through 34. I do give honor to my pastor and my bishop. I love them both and appreciate them. And they have always been ones to make sure that they invest in the next generation and our young people. And I say that often because it's true. And uh, I know there's a lot of pastors that are very worried to do that. Uh, but, man, we have to invest in our next generation of young people. And I'm thankful that we have we, we have so many uh, ages represented tonight, and that's beautiful. Mark chapter 5, verses 25 through 34. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood, 12 years. Someone shout 12 years. Who's 12 in here? 
Imagine your entire life dealing with something. And you start putting things into perspective. Twelve years. And had suffered many things of many physicians. Had spent all that she had and was nothing better. But rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus came in the press, came in the crowd, the press behind, and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the plague instantly. When I touched Jesus, something changed. I felt a change in me. And Jesus, immediately knowing himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples responded how every young person in 2020 would respond. Seriously? People are all over the place, and you want to know who touched your clothes. That person touched your clothes, and that person touched your clothes, and that person touched your clothes. You're crazy, Jesus. Everybody's touching your clothes. His disciples said to him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and thou hast said, Who touched me? And he looked around about to see her, and that she had done this thing. And the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing that was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith, your faith, not pastor's faith, not mom and dad's faith, but your faith hath made thee whole go in peace, and behold thy plague. I'm going to minister uh, on this thought tonight, stepping out of the crowd. Stepping out of the crowd. Somebody tell your neighbor, say, stepping out of the crowd. If I'm going to do anything in 2020, I'm going to step out of the crowd. Amen. Can we lift our hands to heaven one more time and just ask the Lord to open our hearts, our minds, and our souls. Come on, Lord, we love you and we praise you, Jesus. God, I thank you, Lord, for every one of our young people here tonight. God, I thank you, Lord, for our children. God, for our adults, Lord God, for our ministry, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God, for bringing us together, the wonderful heritage, Lord, that we have at this church. I pray, Lord, you bind us together tonight with one mind and one accord, Lord Jesus, supporting one another, strengthening one another. God, give us ears to hear. God, a heart to receive, Lord Jesus. We want your power. God, we want your anointing in this house. God, if we have any sin in our hearts, please forgive us. God, if you can use anything, God, I pray, Lord, you'd use this vessel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. You can be seated tonight. The woman with the issue of blood is a story we all know pretty well, and most of us don't even need the Bible uh, to begin to tell about the woman with the issue of blood. We've heard this minister from every angle. You've heard all about uh, uh, everything you could from this. You've heard it read in all four books of the gospel. We have a lady who is in desperate need of a miracle, a lady who has spent all her money, time, resources, everything she had, and was still coming out empty-handed. It would have been easy for her to allow the size of the crowd to intimidate her. It's too many people. That's why we don't go out on Black Friday. There's too many people. I'll pay $5 extra for it. Just don't get me crowded. I don't want to be around all the people. Too many people. E easy excuse. Too many people. The size could easily seem too much to handle. But this lady had made it a point in her desire that the size of the crowd did not matter to her. But in that moment, she needed a touch from God. She didn't care who saw it. She didn't care who witnessed it. 
She didn't care how many people were between her and Jesus. She says, I have to get out of the middle of this crowd, and i got to get to Jesus. She was determined that even though there was a great crowd around Jesus, she could still receive something great. There was a difference that day between the approach of this lady who touched Jesus and the approach of, of every other person that was in that crowd. Every person in that crowd wanted to see Jesus and to be seen by Jesus. Look at me. I'm here. It's the generation we have. Generation of selfies. I'm not beating you up for it. Some of you have mastered the selfie. I've not mastered the selfie. I've not mastered the picture, picture taking. I get one shot taking a picture, and then the camera gets pulled from me. The right angle. It's never the right angle. It's got to be just right. They were there for the wrong reason. They want to be part of the crowd. But the woman says, listen, everybody else is here to see Jesus and be seen of Jesus, but I'm here to actually touch Jesus. There's people all over this world going to churches, and they're going for feel-good reasons. I want to be seen at church. I want to be connected to a church. I want people to know that I go to a church. But I'm not really taking a step out and touching Jesus. Come on, in 2020, we cannot be afraid to step out of the crowd. Come on, young people, we cannot be afraid in 2020 to step out of the crowd. The world tells us that we need to follow the crowd. The world tells us that we need to be like everybody else. The world tells us that we need to stay in line with the masses. I'm here to remind a young person this evening that you were never called to be among the crowds. You were never called to be like everybody else at your school. You were never called to be like everybody else in your family. But 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17 says this, Wherefore come out from among them. Before you can come out from among them, there has to be a crowd. And Jesus says in all the crowds of this world, I'm looking for someone to come out from among them, to separate themselves. Look at this. Saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And look what happens. And I will receive you. I will bring you in. I will welcome you into my arms. If you look at different translations, it looks at that differently. It says, I'm going to welcome you. If you're willing to step out from everything else, I'm willing to bring you closer to me. Come on, you're never going to get close to Jesus staying in a crowd. we got to get ourselves away from everybody else. we got to get ourselves away from what the world thinks is cool. I understand it, young people. I was a teenager not too long ago. I know what it was like to be in high school. I know what it was like to be made fun of. Come on, I've been there before. I remember people would get up here, and, I, and they would give their testimony about how they didn't get to a Jesus until they were 20 or 30 or 40 years old. And think, man, you don't know what it's like to be a teenager right now. You don't know what it's like not to have those party stories. Come on, there's a lot of pressure nowadays. 
You got to look the part, and you got to act the part, and you got to talk the part. Come on, because because drinking is cool, doing drugs is cool, doing things with the opposite sex is cool, being rebellious is cool. And there's words that get said about you if you don't do those things. Man, if you don't cuss, if you don't watch the movies, if, if you don't do this and you don't do that. Come on, I'm not coming uh, without experience of what you guys are experiencing. I understand what you're going through today. It's so easy to follow the crowd. It's easy to do what everyone else says is cool. And you can continue to do that today. You can continue to follow the crowd all that you want. But you're going to receive the same thing that the crowd receives. Because the only person that left that day with a blessing was the woman who separated herself. It was a woman that says, I don't care what everybody else came here for. I'm coming for a different reason. Come on, you can go in your schools and say, you guys are coming to learn, and you guys are coming to do this thing, but I'm coming to win some young people. Something in our heart has to change and says, I'm here for a different reason. You can do all you want. The world says drugs, alcohol, and perversion is cool. But I disagree. I was in that thinking for a while. I remember getting mad at my mom and dad. I tell them all the time, you don't understand what it's like. Told him once, one time, one time only. Quit trying to live your life through me because you messed up as a teenager. One time, one time and one time only, I told my mom that. One time, young people. It only took one time never to say that again. Looked at my mom and said, you don't know what it's like to live with the Holy Ghost. She had the audacity to look at me and says, you don't know what it's like to be raised without the Holy Ghost. Come on, young people, if you're sitting in the pew, you need to thank your mom and dad that they brought you out of the crowd and allowed you to experience the Holy Ghost and allowed you to experience God. You don't understand how many people are hungry and thirsty to feel what you feel on a Sunday. Yes, they go to these parties. The reason they got to go to parties and, and do drugs and be involved with alcohol is because there's something inside missing. And the reason we don't have to do that is because what's missing in them is filled up in us. Come on, the gap that's inside of everybody else is full of the Holy Ghost in us. So we don't have to go experience those things. You don't got to try to find love from a boy or girl because you found love in Jesus. Come on. I'll never receive what God has for me in the middle of a crowd. I'll never be able to be God's full potential if I say in the middle of a crowd. Let me give you some examples. David. David was a young, good-looking man. The Bible says he looked good. He was rooted. He, he looked good. Good-looking man. Good-looking young boy. He came out to a situation where the crowd was ready to quit, and the crowd was scared to death. David could have easily done what the crowd was doing, but he was made for something greater than just hiding in his tent and being controlled by a giant. Listen, 
for days and days. The children of Israel could not move because they were controlled by a giant in their life. Well, Brother West, there's not giants roaming. Yes, there are. There's drugs and alcohol. There's depression and oppression. There's fear of failure. There's abuse. I can keep naming over and over again. There's giants that are holding people in place, never reaching their full potential. Giants that the enemy sends because he knows if I can keep you in your tent and scared, you can never go forwards. And why everybody else accepted that. Everybody else was good was saying, hey, hey, this giant can control my life right now as long as I'm still alive. David says that that giant's controlling your life, you're not living. Because when you're not living, if a giant's controlling your life, if fear's controlling your life, young person, you are not living. If a substance is controlling our lives, we're not living. If peers are controlling our lives, we're not living. If acceptance from everybody else is controlling our lives, we're not really living. While everybody else is sitting pat and allowing a giant to control their every move, I believe it's time in 2020 to stand up and say, I was made for more than this. Come on, David understood his potential. David knew he was going to be anointed king. He hadn't walked in that yet. But a man of God, before he ever stepped out in front of a giant, said, there's something special in you. And I'm looking at every one of our young people right now, and there's something special in you. Don't ever let the world tell you anything else. You're royalty, baby. You're princesses and princes. And you're heirs to the king of kings. Don't let anybody ever take any, don't let anybody ever take that from you. That's your identity. I'm a child of the most high God, and I'm okay with that. Step out of the crowd. Get away from it. Don't let it control you any longer. Depression and anxiety is, is killing our kids right now. Pornography is at an all-time high, and I know it's one of those things you're not supposed to talk about, but it's killing young ministry, and it's got to be dealt with. Come on, I refuse to let these giants keep our young people back from the revival that I know God has in their lives. Come on, if you don't step out of the crowd right now, you'll never walk in the purpose of God. Come on, it's time we step up and step out. I'm getting some amens from some parents, but parents, it's time that we stop living by what we say and start living by our examples and showing our children that the house of God is the most important place and showing our children it's all right to be different. And I remember... Going to, going to Thanksgiving dinner, and, and Dad always said the prayer, and then all of a sudden it kind of shifted, and, and Dad started looking at me and said, Wes, you say the prayer. Seriously? I got to say the prayer? I remember feeling so nervous, and everybody's watching me, and I got to pray. 
in front of all my family and my cousins that are older than me, and I want them to think I'm cool. And I say a real quick prayer. Always mad at my dad. Thanks for ruining Thanksgiving. It wasn't until a few years ago, going up to a Thanksgiving dinner, Christmas, one of the two, and as I started driving up there, something changed. And I thought, man, I got an opportunity to pray in front of my family that's not saved. And it hit me what an honor that was. It hit me what value was in that. In that moment, praying over Thanksgiving dinner, praying over Christmas dinner, praying over birthday parties, snacks, I get an opportunity to lead my family in prayer. And nobody knows this, but for now, every, every time from since, as I'm driving up wherever we're going, I say, God, let there be something, just something small that's felt in that prayer over that food. If this is my opportunity to lead my family, let them feel something special. Come on, why? Because I have an opportunity to step out in the midst of a crowd and say, God, if you can use anything, Lord, use me in this moment. It may be prayer. It may be prayer over dinner. It may be prayer over snacks. I had the opportunity uh, to say prayer before our graduation. I had the opportunity to say prayer before we had a, a Veterans Day program. Come on, young people, if you get those opportunities, don't look at it and think everybody's going to think I'm not cool. But look at it for an opportunity. I get to lead my school into prayer. And you need to stand up as a David and say, God, I get an opportunity at a young age. Joshua had the same choice as everyone else had while they were in the wilderness. There was a moment, and I brought it up a couple weeks ago when I ministered, that they had to stand at attention when the presence of God fell in the tabernacle, everybody had to stand at attention at the doorway of their tent. But the Bible specifically says that Joshua refused to do that. And instead of staying in attention with the crowd, Joshua went after the presence of God. The Bible says he followed Moses in to the tabernacle. And when Moses went out, he says, I'm not, I'm not going to depart. He departed not. He stepped out of the crowd and says, I want to get to the presence of God. He may have been made fun of. He may have been laughed at. But he was the only one that got to experience the walls falling down. A lot of things are cool to the world in 2020. But I think living in my promised land, watching the walls of the enemy fall down at my feet, is a whole lot cooler than any video game. Come on, you don't know how cool it is to watch God use you. You don't know how cool it is to be able to baptize one of your buddies in Jesus' name. Because all your friends are telling you how good of a time they're having over here at these parties, and they're miserable. And people that I thought were popular and uh, cool in school, amen, now are addicted to some things. And I look at their lives, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. I'm glad I had a different direction in my life than what they had. One of these days, young people, you're going to realize it. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the world right now will tell Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to go ahead and bow down and to fall in line. Don't make any waves. Don't cause any stirs. They told you to do it, so go ahead and just do it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that said, we'll follow the crowd to a point. But it comes to the time when it's the crowd or my relationship with Jesus that I refuse to cross that line. There's going to be moments and times, young person, when you're going about your day of school and you're with your buddies and you're going to have to make a decision. I can bow down to what everybody else bows down. Or I can say Sunday service is too important to me. Because that's what it's going to take. Those little victories saying my church needs me on Sunday mornings. My church needs me on Wednesday nights. Remember, there's a lot of remembering in this message. I remember when Pastor Adam pulled me aside and asked me to be the junior youth leader. I remember pulling away from the church, heading towards the house, feeling a weight. Thinking, man, there's young people. They're going to be looking up to me. And for a long time, that's what pushed me. God, i got to make sure I'm doing right because on Sunday I'm going to teach young people. And those young people are going to look up to me. And i got to make sure I'm ready to minister. We don't know when one of our buddies or when one of our sisters are going to need prayed with. And we have to keep that in our mind every time we come to a cross in the road. Every time we come to a moment, we got to say, I want to go left or I'm going to go right. Come on, they understood it may cost me something. Standing out right now may take me out of my comfort zone. And in that moment, they all they could see is certain death. Come on. There's got to be something inside of us like the three Hebrew boys that says Jesus is more important to me. Jesus is more important to me than anything else. Jesus is more important to me than making my buddies laugh. And Jesus is more important to me than a boy or a girl. Listen, not everybody that you're walking around with is going to be able to have the opportunity to walk on water. Staying in the boat and staying among the crowd steals you your victory. And it steals you some breakthroughs. Some things are robbed from you when you stay in the crowd. Young person, listen to me. Listen to me. David knows what it feels like to come face to face with a giant. But he also knows what it feels like to watch that giant fall down at his feet. The three Hebrew boys knows what it feels like, knows the scaredness, knows the panic of stepping out and thinking I'm going to be led to a fiery furnace that even the people that put them in the fiery furnace was killed. They felt that uncomfortable feeling, but you know what else they know what it feels like? To be in the middle of a fire, dancing with Jesus. Come on, I may have to go through the fire, I may have to go through the flames, but I also get to experience what it's like to dance with Jesus. 
in the middle of something horrible. Tell me again how awesome it is to follow the crowd. It was Elijah. Listen, Elijah had the opportunity to follow the crowd. And it took Elijah to a place he did not want to go. Nobody else was around. Nobody else followed him. Everybody else was doing their own thing. And I'm sure as he was hiding in that cave, he looked out and watched everybody else having a good old time. But there came a moment. There came an altar moment when both sides came together. When the world and the man of God met and says, we need something to fall from heaven. And why all those people that were enjoying the world try to do everything they can to get the worldly God to come down and light this fire. Elijah was standing back saying, man, I prepare for this moment. Young person, you don't understand until you're in that moment when God says, you're ready? And he looks back at you and say, I'm ready. And God says, let's do this thing. We'll stand all across this place. It didn't take long for Elijah to look at the circumstance. Thank God it was worth it. Every time I got made fun of, it's worth it right now. Every time people, if people talked about me because I wasn't at the party, every time I felt lonely, it's worth it. Young people, I'm 31 years old. When I was in high school, when I was in middle school, I got made fun of for serving God. I'm 31 years old, and I still get made fun of because I don't drink. I don't know how many times I've heard this year, boy, Mr. Thornberry, if this year doesn't drive you to drink, I don't know what is. We had a horrific day today. Bad. 1227. Superintendent busts into my office and says, we got to clear everybody out. There's a gas leak. Dismiss your kids. Call your parents. Get everything set up. I'm going to go talk with the construction worker. We got this under control. Before I left the building, one of my secretaries looked at me and said, you're going to go home and drink. Tonight's tonight. You're going to go home and drink. I said, no, in five hours. I'm getting ready to go preach to a bunch of young people. I said, come on. It was that same, listen, listen. This is how God works. It was that same superintendent that messaged me just a few weeks ago and says, I consider you a person that knows how to pray intercessorly. He says, you're an intercessor or a prayer warrior. My superintendent, he says, there's a person I know that's been given only a month, couple months to live, and I trust that you'll pray for him. Out of the midst of a crowd, God shines lights on you. Out of the midst of a crowd, come on, every moment's worth it at that time. When someone looks at you and says, I trust you, that you'll lead us into a miracle. I trust you, everything. 
We can't be afraid to step up in 2020 and say that God's before me. Who can be against me? I look around and there's enemies on every side, but I'm stepping out. Because God's going to take care of me. God's going to take care of you, young person. God's going to be with you. God's going to bless you. I want every young person, if somebody will come up, just play the, the keyboard for me. If every young person, come on up. From the youngest to the smallest, every young person, come on up. I want you to spread out. we got a few minutes. It's just now 8 o'clock. I was careful with time. Spread out, young people, come on up. I said step out of the crowd, and you're not stepping out of the crowd. Get yourselves. Come on, line this front. Line this front, young people. It's okay. We're in the house of God. This is a safe place. Come on, moms and dads. You know what we need to start doing? We need to start gathering our babies around us at night. Pray with them. We say prayers every night with our girls. A couple weeks ago, Chloe says, Dad, I don't want you to pray tonight. I'm going to pray. Come on, that did something to me. Parents, look at these children. They're looking at you. They're giggling. They're laughing. But they need to be comfortable in the presence of God. They need to be comfortable. So when they're going through rough times, like Brother James said, that they're not afraid to come to an altar. Come on, I want our adults just to lift their hands towards this front. Young people, I don't want you to be afraid. I want you to lift your hands to heaven. Come on, I want this to be a comfortable place. I want the altar to be a place that you're familiar with. That when you get to be older, you can say, I'm not afraid to come in the presence of God. Because you know what? If you mess up, you can still come to the presence of God. And if you did something silly this week, you can still come to the presence of God. And if you cussed or you watched something you shouldn't have watched, you can still come to the presence of God. Come on, young people, lift your hands to heaven and close your eyes. It doesn't have to be a poetic prayer, but just pray. Lord, I love you, Jesus. Moms and dads, will you cover your babies with prayer right now? Come on, there's going to be a moment when our young people are going to have to make a decision to follow the crowd or they're going to step out. Come on, this is going to be one of the greatest generations to see revivals that we never thought about, to see the revivals and the miracles, signs and wonders that we heard from our grandmas and our grandpas. The Bible said there's a former rain and a latter rain. The latter rain is always greater. The Lord said in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Yes, in the middle of chaos. Yes, in the middle of struggle. Yes, in the middle of darkness. I'm going to pour out my spirit upon a group of young people that says I'm ready to come out from among them. Come on, it's beautiful, young people. Lord, I need you, Jesus. Come on, moms and dads, you, you celebrated and you got with me. When I said young people need to be in the house of the Lord, I need moms and dads to pray. I need to hear the voice of moms and dads saying, I refuse to let this world have my baby. Woo. 
Oh, come on. I believe there's a revival that's going to be coming from our young people. I believe there's a revival spirit that's going to be coming into our young people. And there's going to be some young people that says, I'm going to follow my pastor into the presence of God. And after my pastor gets done preaching, I'm not going to leave the presence of God. I believe there's some Joshua's that said, I want to get to my promised land. Everybody else can enjoy the world, but I want to get to Jesus. There's some David's that said, I refuse to let giants in my life control me. We don't have time for patty cake church. But I need to touch Jesus. Come on, moms and dads. If we want them to be comfortable around the altar, we've got to be comfortable around the altar with them. Praying with our family shouldn't feel awkward. Praying with our family shouldn't make us feel uncomfortable. But praying with our family should be just like sitting down at the dinner table and eating with them. It should be natural. Baby, let me take you into the presence of God. Honey, let me take you into the presence of Jesus. Oh, we love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, Lord. Raise up a generation that's not afraid to step out. Raise up a generation that's not afraid to step out of the crowd. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, can we sing this together right now? You can use me. Come on, young people. little miracle gets it. I'm in the presence of God. Come on, when we close our eyes and lift up our hands and pretend like nobody else is around right now. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Come on, young people, sing that. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands, Lord, take my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord, Lord, you can use me. Come on, it's my prayer every time I get ready to preach. It's my prayer every time I go pray with somebody. It's my prayer every time I get in the baptismal tank. It's simple words that I was taught when I was little. God, if you can use anything, use me today. I start every year in prayer. God, if you can use me, God, in this school, use me. If you can use me with my staff, God, use me. Hallelujah, Jesus. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can use anything. 
Take my hands, Lord, take my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak to me. Oh, come on. Those young people right now, it's in the valley of decision. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. We look at our young people right now. And sometimes we think we're just going to give them some time. But God says, if they'll give their hearts to me, I'll use them now. If they'll live for me at a young age, I'm going to use them at a young age. Touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord, Come on, this is beautiful. This is beautiful. One generation praying with the next generation. I'm not worried about somebody taking my microphone. I'm not worried about somebody taking my position. But I want to raise up more preachers. I want to raise up more teachers. I want to raise up more Sunday school teachers. I want to raise up more musicians. I want to raise up more worshipers. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, we're getting ready to close things out in just a moment. Anything, Lord, we can lift our hands and sing this. Me. Come on, from the youngest to the oldest, if we can sing take this to Jesus. Hands, Lord, and I want you to mean it right now. Touch my heart, Come on, from everything you have, I want you to reach down deep. Anything, Lord, and I want you to sing this from the bottom of your heart. You can use anything, Lord. You, you can, can use me. Come on, young person, shut you, yourself in with Jesus. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands, Lord, take my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. If you can use One more time, one more time. If you can use anything, Lord, you can Come on, cut the music and just our voices. Come on, just our voices. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Come on, I want to hear you sing. Come on.